The text on which the sermon is based tonight is 1 Corinthians 11, the Apostle Paul's uh, recounting of the institution of the Lord's Supper. Paul writes to the Corinthians, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be finally condemned with the world. So then, my brothers and sisters, when you gather to eat, you should all eat together. This is God's word. This section from 1 Corinthians is uh, just jam-packed with all sorts of things that you could spend hours expounding uh, from the fact that The Apostle Paul, as he recounts the institution of the Lord's Supper, doubles down on this idea that the body and blood of Jesus are actually truly present in the sacrament, knowing that as Jesus spoke the words, this is my body, this is my blood, when he instituted it, he spoke in Aramaic, and in Aramaic there's no such thing as a linking verb, like the word is, is not in their language. He would have said, this, my body. But Paul chooses not to, change, to fix that ambiguous nature of speech by saying what Jesus really meant was this represents his body. It's not really here. I know some of you are deceived and think that. No, he doubles down and uses in Greek where there is a linking verb that Jesus said, this is my body. To the fact that when Paul says you take the Lord's Supper, you don't take it the same way that you receive baptism. Baptism is for all nations. It is for all people. It is freely given, but the Lord's Supper is different. A person ought to examine themselves before they take the Lord's Supper, and primarily that means being able to discern whether the body and blood are actually there. If you think it's just a snack, you think it's just something we do to symbolically remember Jesus, then the Bible says you sin against the body and blood of the Lord. To the fact that he says that we ought to eat together, which means that the Lord's Supper is not something you can do, first of all, without or do by yourself in your home or maybe to make a more modern application, do online. It is something you do here with your brothers and sisters. And all of those things would be interesting to chase tonight, but I want to focus on one thing, just a short phrase from Paul's remembrance of the Lord's Supper. It's the phrase, on the night he was betrayed. You saw it, right? He says here, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. There are any number of time markers that the Apostle Paul could have used to denote when this happened. The night of the Passover, when he was eating with his disciples, the night before he died, at the end of the meal. Any of these things would have worked to mark the time when Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper, but he chooses the phrase, on the night he was betrayed. 
And I wonder if it was not to amplify the idea that while people were trying to do evil things to Jesus, Jesus was trying to be gracious to evil people. I don't know if you've ever been betrayed in an absolutely profound way, but it can, it can psychologically mess with you. All right, like it, if that person who you trusted throws that trust away, it, it can maybe you not just like never want to talk to them again, but it, it can make you not want to talk to anybody again. You so, feel so vulnerable, right? Like who you are is somehow exposed. Like you, you think in your own mind, how could I be so trusting? And I was taken advantage of. If I were the Lord, knowing that I was going to be betrayed, which is very obvious from the accounts, like he's at the table and he says, one of you is going to betray me. In fact, it's the guy who has his hand in the dish with me. Yes, Judas, it's you. He knows exactly what's going on and he still gives. He still entrusts himself to the disciples. I would not have. I would have retreated into my little cocoon and never talked to anyone again. To know what I had done for those those people, those disciples, and then to know that one of them was going to betray me, it would have destroyed me. And yet, what Jesus does is the exact opposite. He lets himself be destroyed and gives the benefits to you. Now, many of you know I'm not fond of making comparisons between us and Judas. I think that's a little bit overdramatic. But the fact is, we do betray Jesus in our thoughts, words, and actions regularly. And many of you have, in fact, all of you have, in case you didn't notice, today even. But guess what? It's the night on which Jesus was betrayed by you, and he's still going to give you the forgiveness of sins. He's going to give you his body. He's going to give you his blood, which he says is a new covenant, a new promise. Not that you would be God's people if only you would behave and do the right things, but you will be his people because he said so. So receive this as the gift that it is. Maybe to think about it differently, I'm fond of making the comparison between the three ways that God gives us himself, which are his word preached, the sacrament of baptism, and the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, as being analogous to the three ways that most people express love to one another when they are romantically falling in love. Right, you meet the special someone, you think this one might be the one, and so you, you say those powerful words, I love you. But then eventually after that, you, you make a covenant with them, right? You put a ring on it and you say, I'm actually going to be legally bound to you, not just by my words, but by a, a piece of paper that says, my life is tied to yours. And then you enjoy a physically intimate relationship with that person. This is what Jesus does. He preaches you his word. He announces to you, your sins are forgiven, like he did just a little bit ago. And then he makes a covenant with you. He puts his name on you, the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, with a little bit of water. And then he entrusts himself to you, his body, with a little bit of bread and wine. So I don't know what you walked in here with, but I know that every one of us, in one way or another, has betrayed Jesus. And unlike a normal human relationship where betrayal would cause the first thing to break down to be the physically intimate relationship, our Jesus is different. He continues to give himself. He continues to say here, a little bit of bread, a little bit of wine, my body and my blood for you, for the forgiveness of sins. Let's pray.
Lord Jesus, allow us to recognize the sacrament for what it is, your body and blood for us. Allow us to trust that the promises you make in this sacrament are sure and will resound until eternity. We ask that the unity that you give us with yourself and with our fellow brothers and sisters through this sacrament would animate our lives into lives of love. We ask these things in your name. Amen.